I want you to turn to Psalm 19. For the past number of months, we've been in, the, in Psalms um, because Jesus keeps bringing us back to the Psalms. And um, we're going to at least be in the Psalms till Easter, and then we don't know what Jesus is going to tell us to do after that. But that's at least the game plan for now, is just walking through the Psalms and continue to have our heart captivated and fixed on who God is, that we'd fall fresh uh, in love with him and get to know his character and his heart. So this morning, um, I'm actually just going to share one verse from Psalm 19 this morning. Um, it's the very last verse. So if you have your Bible, once you turn there, Psalm 19, verse 14. This is what it says. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I mean, as I've been reading through Psalm 19 the past, you know, couple weeks, uh, as time has gone on, the Lord just kept, kept uh, narrowing it down to less and less and less. Until eventually, it was just uh, the Lord turning my heart to this last verse, where he says, right, this is David's prayer to the Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. Or your translation may say, may be, may be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He, he's, he's asking for the twofold uh, aspect of, the, let the things that come out of me, let the things that come out of my mouth be pleasing to you, but also let the things that are in my heart be pleasing to you as well. I think for us, oftentimes, it's easier to understand what he's saying. May the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, right? May the things that I say be edifying. May the things that I say be words that the Lord would be uh, approving of. Let the, the things that come out of my mouth, may the words of praise, let the things that come out of my mouth build other people up and be an expression of, of, of love. But I think you could even expand it a little bit broader too of saying it's not just the words that come out of our mouth, but I think this is the same thing is true. It's not just our words, but our actions, our outward behavior. May the things that we do be pleasing to you, oh Lord, my, my rock and my redeemer. But he doesn't stop there. And it'd be easier if he did, right? He says, not just the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, but may the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you as well. What are the meditations of your heart? Well, meditate means just to focus, uh, to draw your attention to, to pay attention to, right? It's a little bit different. Um, meditation for us, Christian meditation, is different than like Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is all about like emptying your mind, so whatever pops in comes in. Like that, that's bad. That's dangerous stuff. Meditating, we're told to actually meditate in the word, but we're told to meditate not to empty our mind, but to focus our mind. We're told to meditate on God himself, on his word. We focus on what does it say about who he is? What does it say about what he's promised to do? What, we meditate and focus on what he's done, who he is, the way he's shown himself. We focus our attention on him. But it's also a meditation of our heart being, what are the thoughts that are going on in our mind, right? If, if you were just cruising, I always think about this. If you're just driving one day, what are those random thoughts that come to your mind? Are those meditations, are those thoughts 
are those pleasing to the Lord. So what David's after here is not just the external um, things pleasing to the Lord, but also the internal things being pleasing to the Lord. And, and the thing that I've been wrestling with for the past week or so is how often, it's easy to, to not do the things like, okay, I know it's not pleasing to the Lord when I say, when I'm harsh with my kids and my wife, when I say things sarcastically or I'm mean, okay, of course that's not pleasing to the Lord. But where my trap has been in this past season of my life is to do the right things but not have my heart match what my actions are doing. Anyone else struggle with that one? Right? So outwardly, man, you look like you're awesome and just killing it. Oh, he's so nice, so kind, so humble. But in the midst of it, your heart is just totally off where it's supposed to be. And the thing that the Lord was showing me this week is um, oftentimes I'm meditating on the right behavior rather than meditating on the Lord and what the Lord wants. And so the Lord brought me back to understanding what does God want us to be meditating upon? What is his purpose? What's his desire for us and for what he wants of all the creation? So I'm going to take you on a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I... I say I promise. I hope to come back to this in a minute, okay? I have been asking a lot of questions this week. Um, why, why, do we, why do we do what we do? Right? Think about that. What, why is it important to have words that are pleasing to the Lord? Why is it important that we walk in holiness? Why is it important to walk in purity? Why is it important to share the gospel? Why is it important to make disciples? Why is it important to encourage one another? Why is it important for those things? And what I, what I realized about myself is how often I became the focus of what I was meditating on. I wanted to do those things just so that I could, I could be better. I could do better. I could, I could be a better witness. I could be better at sharing the gospel. I could be better at these things. But the Lord brought me back to the purpose of why we do those things isn't ultimately about ourselves. It's about Him. There's a promise that God speaks that rocked my world this week. It's from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. Okay, you don't have to turn this. I think this might be on the screen. Habakkuk 2, 14 says this. This is a promise that God makes to us. He says that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth like water covering the sea. This is God's promise that he makes to all of creation, that his glory will fill the earth. What the heck is, is his glory? That's one of those words that we talk about all the time. Glory of God for your glory. What in the world is his glory? Any ideas? What was that? His presence. Right, right, that's good. What else do you think of with his glory? Power. Oh, that's good. Radiance. Oh, like the sun, right? Sunlight is brightness. Holy Spirit, love, cool. Holiness, praise, splendor, forgiveness. Christ in me, the hope of glory, right on. Come on up, you can take the mic and take it from here right now. There's this term radiant, or term as glory. And there's this promise, and God's desire from the very beginning is that his 
His presence, His radiance, His awe, His splendor, His might, His magnificence, His character would fill the entire earth. In fact, that was God's original intent with Adam and Eve. That in the, the garden, when God created Adam and Eve, that He would show them His character. And in turn, no matter what they were doing, if they're tending to the garden, if they're hanging out with each other, no matter what they were doing, they would see Him for who He was and they'd give Him praise and adoration and worship. They were in awe of Him. But not only that, that they were tasked with, through whatever they did, that they were to display the character and the nature of God to the rest of creation. But sin broke all of that. But God's promise to fill the earth with his glory did not end there. So how in the world is God going to fill the earth with his glory? Turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says this. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. The exact imprint of his nature. You want to know what the glory of the Lord looks like? You look at Jesus. Jesus was the answer to fill all of creation with the very glory of God himself. Sometimes I think we turn Jesus into this nice moral teacher or someone who simply died on the cross for our sins. Absolutely, he did all of those things. But what the beauty of Christ is, is that Jesus was God's glory, God's character, God's will, God's desire, God's word, God's power, God's love, God's might, God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's, all the things that you mentioned. Jesus is the embodiment in the exact imprint in the radiance of the God the Father from all of creation before time making that known to us to fill the earth that Jesus is pretty awesome huh God's glory is to fill the earth I want to pray one quick second. God, I pray that your light would shine in the darkness and that any way that the enemy is blinding our hearts to see the glory of Jesus, that you would release that in Jesus' name. That as we talk about the glory of Jesus, that our hearts would be open to encounter, not just know about him, but have an experiential knowing of who this Jesus is and that we would gaze upon his face and experience the glory of the king of the universe. God, I pray that you'd move this from a cognitive understanding to our heart and we'd be transformed experiencing the glory of Jesus. Amen. You know, it's tricky. It's tricky because I can tell you that God's eternal purpose is to display his glory through Jesus into all of creation. And that's our desire, what we should be motivated by. That's our meditation. That's what we should be seeking. But uh, my fear is that for many of us, we simply, um, I don't know. We don't understand the magnitude and the awe and the power and the splendor of who this Jesus is. And my words aren't going to be sufficient to you. So let's take a detour. Go to Revelation chapter 4. 
This is not going to be on the screen. So if you need to pay attention to this by closing your eyes, I include, encourage you to close your eyes. This is John writing this, and this is what he says. Oh, this is good. Holy Spirit, would you capture our hearts for the magnitude and the glory and splendor of Jesus in your word? Amen. All right, this is what it says. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, it was, it was as it were a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in the front and behind. The first living creature like a lion the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne. And they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Amen. Like, this Jesus that we get to know, the beauty of the gospel isn't simply going to heaven. The beauty of the gospel isn't having a better life. The beauty of the gospel isn't things that are going to be easy. The beauty of the gospel isn't simply that you don't get to go to hell. The beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that you get to know the one who's created you and formed you. The one who sustains all things by his word. You get to know him face to face. The giver and sustainer of life. All things that we need of hope and joy, peace, delight are found in him. There is nothing more beautiful, nothing more supreme, nothing more glorious than we can behold than the face of Jesus Christ himself. And what happens is too often, if you're like me, we forget how magnificent this Jesus is and how glorious he is, and we begin to then meditate on things predominantly above him. 
And I can tell you this morning, well, just, just meditate on, on other things. Don't meditate on those things. But I, I pray that our hearts would be captivated by the character and nature of Jesus Christ himself. Because when we behold him, then we understand why salvation is a big deal. Salvation isn't, okay, now i got to live a better life. But when you behold the glory and the splendor of Jesus, you say, oh my goodness, there is none like him. Oh my goodness, that this splendor of this king would want a relationship with me. And he's done all the work so that I can attain it. It is this Jesus that I believe we're invited to behold and meditate upon this morning. Here's what happens, though. If you're like me, you start meditating on all the wrong things. Outwardly, it looks awesome. It looks all the same. Outwardly, no one can tell that you're meditating on things other than yourself. And here's what ends up happening is I like to meditate not on the glory of God, but I love to meditate on the glory of Britain. Because honestly, a lot of days, I care what you think. So what ends up happening, like the other week, the Lord was speaking to me about walking in greater humility. I was like, okay, cool, we can do this. And um, I, wish, I wish I was kidding. I'm really not, you know. So I was in a few settings where I was like, I'm going to try really hard to be humble. And I'll tell you what, I looked humble. But then, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's the point, right? But what the Lord revealed in me is that I was using Jesus simply to walk in humility so others would think well of me. Externally, you would never know the difference. The difference is if I meditate on Christ and his splendor and honor and glory, I look to him and go, Oh my goodness, you are so much more powerful than I am. Why would I want anyone to recognize my name? I want them to simply know you because you are so much better. Jesus, would you humble me in that? The behavior looks the same, but man, the heart is way different. Here's, here's where I think we get a little, we get a little sideways too. Is, um, we start making really good goals the thing that we meditate on rather than the glory and the splendor of Jesus himself. So if we're not careful, like here's a good example for our context, like getting freed and delivered from habitual sins or like addiction, right? Um, God's set so many free of addiction, it's just, it's awesome. But I think where we can get a little bit sidetracked is to say, all right, I just want to be free of addiction. I want to walk in sobriety. I want to walk in sobriety. That's my goal. That's what I'm chasing after. That's what I'm meditating on. That's my consuming, my thoughts and my desire. Give me sobriety. Now, Jesus, you got to help me attain that goal, which is nice when it happens. But what happens then when you fall off the wagon is you go, well, Jesus, you didn't work out to get me what I wanted. Jesus, I'm done with you, right? Rather than saying, Jesus, oh, you are so holy and beloved. I want to walk in holiness and the freedom that you've purchased for me through your death and resurrection. Oh, Jesus, set me free of that addiction because you are worthy of my entire life. I want nothing to dominate me above you, Jesus Christ. Right? Does it make sense? It's what's the object of our, our pursuit. What's the ultimate thing that we're chasing after? What are we meditating upon? Is it simply behavior change or is it that we would behold the splendor and the glory of Jesus Christ himself. Because here's what happens. We start fooling ourselves into thinking that it is our strength and our power that find victory. Look at um, 2 Corinthians, yeah, Corinthians 3.18. I think, I think this might be on the board. Yeah. Okay, check this out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, 
And it says this, And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay, th- this is what Paul's saying here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, one of the ways that we glorify the Lord is look at Jesus, his splendor, his awe, his wonder, that, that we would be captivated in our heart, that the words out of our mouth would be, oh God, you're worthy, we'd praise him and adore him and worship him. But here's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, isn't simply that our exterior behavior changes or the words that come out of our mouth change. What happens is we are now implanted with a new seed, the seed of the glorious Christ, which is at work at growing and maturing in us. How does it grow and mature? is when we behold and gaze upon Jesus, we become like which we gaze upon. We glorify the Lord. The glory of the Lord fills the earth as we give praise and worship and adoration to him. But as we behold him, we are conformed and changed in our innermost being. Our heart is set right with him. And then what comes out of him is what gives him praise and glory and honor. And also within us is what gives him praise and glory and honor. But if our meditation of our heart is simply about changing behavior rather than beholding the glorious Christ, what ends up happening is we're working so hard in our own energy and our own might and we are exhausted trying to walk in holiness and it will not last. And if you can do it for any period of time, you get caught up in legalism and you look really judgmental at other people because you simply say, well, I did it, why couldn't you? Rather than saying, you are unable to change your heart. I mean, here's the thing. I, I came to realize, I realize this week. I have no ability to change my motive on my own. It's not like I'm walking in pride at one moment going, oh, I don't want to walk in pride anymore. Be humble. No, no. Be humble. Be humble. It doesn't work that way, right? That's the beauty of repentance. Repentance is simply saying, oh, God, thank you for convicting me of sin. Thank you for pointing what's wrong. God, I don't want to walk in arrogance. I don't want to walk in pride anymore. I turn away from it. Oh, Jesus, you are perfectly humble. God, would you manifest that humility in me? I am unable to walk in humility on my own. Oh, God, I'm going to say nice things to my wife, but, man, my heart is not bent toward her. I can't make myself love her today in the way she deserves to be loved. But I praise you, Jesus, that it is your life who is at work in me that is growing and maturing in me. Jesus, you love perfectly. You love humility in humility. You love in power. You love the appropriate way, God, that you would manifest that in me today to love my wife. Man, the pressure is all off. And it's God's glory that is displayed not just in the end behavior, not just in the heart, but also in the transformation that he puts in us to to, to grow in Christ-likeness. It is all about the glory and the splendor of Jesus Christ. That he would be exalted. That he would be made great. I mean, that's why, again, I think we, we... tripped up if we say like oh i got to share the gospel share the gospel yes we should share the gospel but why should we share the gospel not just so we can say yeah look at all these people i shared the gospel with i'm such an amazing christian why should we share the gospel because we have experienced the greatest thing that captures our beauty and attention that that they too would experience that not only that because jesus is worth their glory their praise and their adoration of him as well that we share the gospel we make disciples we do all these things so that god would receive more glory and his glory would fill the earth it's what we talked about last Last week, we grow in experiencing the glory of God until that day when Jesus Christ returns, as it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. And in that day when he returns, that he will be glorified in his saints and that we will... I said on the board, I always blame. Thank you. 
we will marvel. That's the word. We will marvel at, among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Here's what we're moving towards. Here's what the fulfillment of the promise of the glory of God filling the earth looks like. Is that we are growing in a process of growing and maturing and praising the Lord and becoming like him. Until the day that it takes place when Jesus Christ returns. And when Jesus returns, it's going to be awesome. Because when he comes back, we will no longer see him as dimly in a mirror. We're no longer get just a glimpse of him. We will get to see him face to face. We will understand the fullness of him and in turn get to praise him and adore him and oh, pour out our affection on him. And not only that, we will be changed into complete perfection. The fullness of Christ will be made manifest in us, not for our sake, but for his sake. So we look at him and behold his glory. And in us, we are transformed into Christ's likeness to push back on him the glory that he deserves and is praised for. Oh, it's going to be so good. I'm trying to remember what that had to do with Psalm 19. But, um, <laughs> no, I think that's, that's just the, 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 that's the difference, right? Is, is we're called, and that's the prayer thing that we can have too. It's like, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. But the way that gets fixed is simply to behold the glory and the splendor and the awe of Jesus. Like that's what we try to do here at Miranda. Um, that's what we've been trying to do these past number of months. That's why the Lord's had us in the Psalms. It's because so often in our culture, in America, even especially in West Michigan, it can be a very production, works-oriented gospel. Where it becomes, oh, I gotta follow Jesus, I gotta do what's right, I gotta have the words in my mouth be pleasing to God, I gotta have those actions be pleasing to the Lord. Yeah, we do. But the way that happens isn't by trying harder, but it's by knowing Him and being conformed into His image and Christ being made manifest in us. We, we want to continue to grow, be people that hear His voice and do what He says, but that comes first and foremost by do you know Him? Do you behold Him? That's our first step. And then we listen to his voice and we do what he says. So I know sometimes it's like, man, are we still in the Psalms? Yep. Because I don't think the Lord's going to let us move on until we are a people that are beginning to understand what it means to behold him and celebrate him and praise him. And, and that, that would be the motive and the desire of our heart, that that's what we're meditating on. And that's my prayer for us, Moran Park. That we would meditate on the glory and the splendor of Jesus. And that as that takes place, our heart would line up with that. And our words would line up with who he is. All right, let's pray. God, it almost sounds so simple, like, okay, what are all the things I got to do, I got to do, I got to do? Jesus, we ask that you would do the work of fixing our gaze upon yourself and that we behold you. I pray for revelation, God, that as we read the word in revelation, as we read about who you are, as we sing now about who you are, that we'd have revelation in our spirit 
that these are words about you, that we've grown in understanding your character and nature, God, and in turn, we would give you the praise and the glory that is due your name. God, we praise you for the promise that your glory in Christ Jesus will fill the earth. And we long for that day where Jesus comes back. We long for that day where the fullness of that glory will fill the earth like the water covers the sea. That Jesus, your, your radiance, your magnificence, your power, your awe, your splendor will fill the entire earth. And we get to experience it. Ah, oh, but in the meantime, God, I thank you that we get to experience it in part. God, for those things that you're asking us to step out in, but our heart's way out of whack, God, that you would uh, make our heart right by setting our attention to you. God, that you, wouldn't even, God, that you wouldn't even start with us saying, I gotta go do this, I gotta fix this, that you would simply captivate our heart, God, and, and that things would flow out of that, that we would see and behold you this morning. God, I, I know, I'm sure many of my, my brothers and sisters are like, well, that's it? Yeah, that, that, that's where we would start. God, for those who, like me, have the temptation to walk outwardly where things look good, but the heart's not aligned, God, that you would lead them to the gift of repentance. Turn us back to you, Jesus. Jesus, and I do repent of any way that I've made Moran Park about my glory, Jesus, or about the glory of Moran Park. God, I repent of that. God, about my walk with you, God, if any way I've made it about me, boasting my gift and my ability and my name, God, I repent of it, Jesus. Our desire is, Jesus, that you would be glorified. Jesus, you alone would capture our heart. God, any way that we've been meditating on our own name, God, and caring what other people think about us, God, that you would put that to death within us and that we'd be so captivated by the beauty of Jesus that none, that we could care less what other people think because you are so glorious. The weight of your glory is so much heavier than the rest, God. God, we ask that your light would shine in the dark places of our heart and continue to reveal Jesus. that are bogged down by their situation, their emotions, their circumstances, by their grief and by their sorrow. Jesus, that you would lift their gaze to you. That you would draw the meditation of their heart away from those, those things being consuming in their mind and emotion, but God, that you would be the one that consumes their mind and emotion. God, we pray the prayer that David prayed. May the word of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God, our, our rock and our redeemer. And we pray this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen.